got some questions. Go! You're feeling stressed, man. Go! Put on your GPS and go! I'm dirt, dirt, something is glistening. Download and listen to Tia, Katie, Chris, and Houston. You should go! Oh, you like literally, literally just came back from bike ride. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still wearing like my, my bibs and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was like such a beautiful day. And I have, um, some friends visiting from Seattle. Um, and, uh, my friend Leslie just got a, his first gravel bike. So we went out for his first gravel ride. Uh, and it was perfect timing. There is sun today. Oh, it's so nice. There is not a cloud in the sky in Vancouver right now. And like this, this is unprecedented. Yeah. Same in Portland. It's been so soggy the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, all the Actually, leaves are changing. It's nice and sunny. Uh, perfect day. I know it's, it's great. I'm, I'm having my indoor time now because uh, this evening we will likely be going outside to go do a little Aurora hunting. And I'm oh. very excited about that. Nice. I'm trying not to get you excited, excited because I have been let down by space wind many times in the past. So it's like <laughs> that damn salt. space wind, space wind. But <laughs> this time, this time it might work. Maybe. Yeah. Hopefully. I, oh I've never God. seen the Aurora Borealis, but it's one of those like lifetime goals. Like I, I yeah, want to see it. That's a bucket list item for sure. And I mean, I know it's not going to be the full like swirly dancey, situation like it would be if we were further like much further north but at this point i will take what i can get because all of those teeny tiny towns that normally have aurora tourism are wisely not doing that Ah. this year what with uh the rona and all the ronies yep in the in this panorama yeah so the the border just opened up recently for what was it for for canadians Sort of. So it's officially officially opening for Canadians for non-essential travel, um, not this week, this upcoming week, but next week. Okay. Um, so my birthday gift, apparently from Canada, is an open border. Hooray. Thanks, Canada. Um, <laughs> but uh, since we are multiple document holders, um, we, we kind of did our little test run by taking a, a little sneaky sneaks down to Seattle and it was totally fine. It cool. was totally fine. Nobody cared either way. Um, <laughs> you know, we just jumped through the little hoops that we needed to jump through, still need to get PCR tests, but you know, with a little bit of advanced planning, everything was completely painless, totally free yeah. and everybody was happy. That's awesome. Yay. Yay. Oh, also I got, hold on, I got my, archaeologist archaeologist. (laughs) oh my god that's awesome i thought i saw was it john lowe had one yeah he has the t-shirt and i was like okay that's great what's the deal and i saw that they made a sweatshirt and i was like well this is i'm living in a sweatshirt land not a t-shirt land up here so i was like i'm gonna get me a sweatshirt and i'm gonna wear it for the next like six months and it's gonna be great t-shirt time is a narrow window in this part of the world yeah, no, and since uh, apparently my my delicate Southern California constitution uh, gets very cold very easily, I'm like I've been in sweatshirts and sweatpants since like September. Yeah. So has it been a hard adjustment for you to move from Southern California to the Pacific Northwest? Sort of. Um, the biggest the biggest like 
I guess, shock for me has just been the weather, the weather and the mm. temperature. I have never in my life experienced this crazy thing called seasons um, until we moved up to Vancouver in 2019. And I have to say, aside from the being cold aspect of it, um, I'm a fan. I'm into it. I, I like actually having uh, a, a visible and tangible sense that like, oh, time is passing, the, the, the calendar, the seasons are progressing. And it's, it's a very clear distinction between the seasons, which is super cool. And I mean, I, you know, just plants are cool when the, the trees are doing the thing right now with leaves and it's very scenic. I mean, Seattle was just stupidly pretty. It's stupidly pretty up here. Um, honestly, my only complaint is that I get cold and yeah. you know, my toes get cold and that, and that sucks. Yeah. Uh, my wife has uh, Raynaud's syndrome, mm, uh -huh. and uh, so her fingers and toes get cold all the time. Yeah, yeah, I've got a bunch of friends with that, and I think, I don't think I have that. I think I might have, like, something very similar <clears throat> to that. It's like a circulation thing related to, like, my histamine issues and all that nonsense. Um, but, yeah, so I... Um, I basically spend all day in socks. I like, I do not take socks off ever. And then I had to invest in these bad boys, the like sleeping oh, bags yeah. for your feet slippers. Oh my God. These are incredible. These are the only thing that actually keep my feet warm. Yeah. I, love them. I have the low top version of those. I love them. Oh, nice. They're, I mean, not only are they just like soft and squishy and everything, but they are the perfect temperature of warmth. Yeah. So that's all I need. That's all I need for fall and winter up here. Totally. Um, so I'm trying to think you, have you been on the podcast before? No, I think this is actually the first time Yeah. the stars and the schedules have aligned yeah. for, for the podcast, which is kind of exciting. Nice. Yay. Yeah. Cause I know that you joined on in the beginning of the pandemic, we were doing those happy hours for, yeah, you know, whoever on archeology span Twitter happened to hop on and then we kept getting zoom bombed. So we just kind of mm -hmm. quit doing that. It just got too annoying. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah. So when I was talking to the other hosts, uh, they couldn't make it today just cause everybody's schedules are in chaos right now, but, um, yeah, totally. uh, they all said hi and, uh, they, you know, they, we're talking about how fun it was to hang out on the, the zoom happy hours, but yeah. So I guess like, um, maybe a, a good starting point is like, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Kind of like, where are you in the world? What are you, what are you doing? Um, kind of like a brief background on, you know, what, what brought you to archeology span and, and where you are now. Okay. Um, sure. Yeah, I guess to start um my name is Annalise I am an archaeologist slash producer um because the thing that I have all of my degrees and training and interest in is archaeology but the thing that I do for work that actually pays the bills is tv production and what I have sort of found myself in as a weird liminal space between both worlds and the sweet spot is when I get to work on history slash archaeology themed TV shows. And then everything kind of comes together and it's really cool. Um, I'm originally from Los Angeles and I am currently a 
sitting in a chair in Vancouver, British Columbia. So that is a very <laughs> different place, very different climate. Yeah. And perhaps in the future when things are a little bit less germ filled and travel is back to a or in, in the new normal state, whatever that ends up being, I will be able to sort of split my time a little bit better between beautiful British Columbia, you know, at registered says the uh, tourism board and uh, my other, my actual home in Los Angeles. Nice. Nice. And, uh, oh, I, and of course the obligatory plug, uh, when I'm not doing, or when I'm not doing TV stuff, I use my, my, uh, my paychecks to buy myself a plane ticket to go to Albania once a year to go hang out with my friends. And, uh, I am the media manager for project Navitsa archeology, span uh, which is an awesome, early stages, early days project in uh, Nivica, Albania, of all places. And it's uh, me and a bunch of my friends from the UK, and we have a good time up there, and we eat a lot of cheese. <laughs> cheese and, and wine, right? Don't they have really good wine in that part of the world? They do. They do. Um, usually we get racky up in the mountains, so... Uh, it's it's still grapes, but it's a stronger form of grapes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So you also have a TikTok um, that yes. uh, we have to plug. I, I can't let oh, you get away from this podcast without <laughs> plugging your TikTok. So Annalise Bear, B-A-E-R. Um, is that your, your TikTok handle as well? That is, so it's a little bit different. That is my Instagram and my Twitter handle, since it's mm -hmm. just my name. Um, and I had to do things a little bit differently on TikTok, I guess, just because it felt weird putting my full name as my handle, but I know some yeah. people have done it. Um, but yeah, so on on the socials, uh, mm -hmm. on Instagram and Twitter, um, it's just my name, Annalise Fair. And on TikTok, TikTok, <laughs> TikTok um, with the tickety tacks, um, I am Annalise the Archaeologist. <laughs> And nice. apparently people like what I do, apparently. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so we'll be sure to link that in the show notes for anybody listening. We'll have a link down below. Um, but yeah, could you uh, tell the listeners a little bit about like what you've been doing with the TikTok? I think it's really cool because there's <laughs> so much misinformation or even disinformation of uh, archaeology and, and um, uh, just science in general and, and humanities, but, um, you know, you've been doing a lot to do like public education and, and kind of public outreach and, and, uh, advocacy through that. How's, what's your experience been like there? Um, the whole thing is super weird. I am not going to lie. It is super weird. I am pretty much the last person who wanted to join TikTok. I enjoyed seeing a lot of the things that other people were doing other, you know, funny, creative people, the, the type of people who were also making quality vines back in the day. Um, you know, I, I loved seeing a lot of the content that was coming out of there, but I was also very aware that it was an app for children to do weird dances on for a while. And so that, it, you know, it just seemed like something that was absolutely yeah. not for me. It's like, I'm out here trying to survive as a millennial on the internet. So it's like, I'm, I'm used to a certain level of internet and weirdness and TikTok seemed to be a whole, a whole different ball game for the children. And that was fine. That was totally okay. But as basically last, starting last year, I think because everybody was inside and 
you know, the, the internet was the only way we had to keep in touch and interact with life during the, the main lockdown of everything. Um, it became apparent that TikTok is where people are getting their information these days. Like it spreads so fast via this one weird <laughs> platform and specifically uh, it spreads amongst kids. Um, I feel like I can say that because I'm in my mid to late thirties. Um, so the kids um, <laughs> are getting their information from TikTok because as we all know, the US education system is garbage, especially yeah. when it comes to teaching history, it's flaming garbage. So I, you know, just from my own experience of being in a, a public high school, which, you know, was apparently a very good public high school, all the whatever. Um, my history classes were garbage, absolute garbage. Um, and it was only because I had an interest in history on my own that I was the kid who was super into like ancient Egypt and stuff like that. So I was doing all this reading on my own, finding all the stuff out on my own. If you're not a, that type of kid, you're just going to be getting whatever information is given to you. And on TikTok, because it is essentially a lot of young people talking to each other, there's a ton of misinformation going around. Just, it's outrageous the type of things that are being shared on the internet at large, but then also on TikTok. And it's all very, it's very simply and cheaply made content that's very sensationalized. And so people see this and because they don't know any better, they're like, oh my God, that's crazy. I didn't know that. And then the, you know, these things get almost a million views and you know it's stuff about it's always stuff about you know atlantis lost cities you know did you know type things and yeah not only are they wrong they're garbage <laughs> and but but people share them i mean the, like i said these things get almost a million views it's bonkers yeah um and this i don't know it's weird i i realized that TikTok, of all things, um, you know, not Twitter, not Instagram, whatever. TikTok is kind of the the current frontier of public engagement for um, you know anything educational, you know, especially with science content and history content. This is the frontier. This is this is where it's happening, and so I kind of gathered myself uh, and summoned all of the emotional and physical energy I could do, and I joined TikTok. And I started posting some little videos. I just posted two that I had already made um, for Instagram. And it took off. <laughs> and I did not expect um, upwards of like 100,000 people to see the stuff that I posted and liked. And it's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And, you know, you can see all of the likes and the comments coming in in real time. So it's very overwhelming. And I, I, I have to, I have to limit the whole thing because yeah, it's like, I have a, a very small amount of energy to deal with all of this. And yeah, I'm a very anxious and normally pretty introverted person. So basically just getting a blast of social media yeah. saps all my energy. Um, but so I treat it like work. I, I do do videos and en engage with people and things during work hours, essentially. And then I've set up my phone to actually disable the app um, from about 7 p.m. onwards. So um, I'm not tempted to check it. I'm not tempted, tempted to scroll forever and just kind of get lost in that endless scroll of things. So that helps. Um, but yeah, uh, to date, the most popular thing 
on my TikTok is my little video about forbidden snacks that I made as a joke one morning. <laughs> and it's still going. It's still getting comments. I don't I don't know how. I, I don't understand it, but if people like it and it's a fun yes. way for them to learn, then I've done my job. <laughs> the forbidden snacks of archaeology. Yeah. So it, good. <laughs> absolutely mind-blowing. And then the best part was that today, it turns out, um, you can actually eat forbidden gummy bears because uh, somebody made a, uh, a 3D model based on the photo of that little amber bear, the forbidden yeah. gummy bear, and 3D printed it, because he's got a 3D printer, that kind of person, and made his own gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I gotta find eat, these. <laughs> you can eat the forbidden gummy bear, so yay. <laughs> we can check at least one of them off the list now. Exactly, yeah. exactly. People had a lot of questions about the, the volcano bread and the tomb cheese, and it's like, let's, let's you know, put a pin in those, just come back to that. But for now, we can focus on the gummy bear, and I think that yeah. works. That's really cool. So we were chatting on Twitter the other day. Um, have you had many trolls on on TikTok? Um, not many. I've had um, some. Probably no more than the usual amount of trolls that come out, especially when you're talking about anything related to ancient Egypt. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's the sort of thing that is easily noticeable. I mean, it stands out immediately as someone who is trolling. Um, and it's something that you can easily either delete or block or both. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So I have not gotten onto TikTok. I, I don't have a TikTok account. Um, That's okay. Yeah. That's I just okay. don't think I have the, the energy or kind of like mental capacity to keep up with that. Um, it's a lot. I, it's a yeah. lot. I enjoy consuming the content, but the way yes. I consume is always like when it's been reposted to Instagram or Twitter mm -hmm. or something like that, um, which Pretty I like much. because I think it kind of like, that's the best way. yeah. And it also kind of curates it, you know, like it's gone through some kind of filter, like a, somebody I already follow has said, Hey, this mm -hmm. is good enough for me to port over to a different platform. Totally. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, up until I got, a TikTok account, that was my preferred way of seeing it too. I would usually see things end up, you know, all the stuff that gets reposted on Instagram. <clears throat> and and that was just fine. That that was and actually still is just fine. Um yeah, it's like I said, it's such a strange app. I mean, it's there are so many people using this one app. And because it's a, it's a visual medium as opposed to something like Twitter, which obviously has like millions and millions of people using it, but it's for the most part, it's just words. Whereas yeah. TikTok is visual and it, so many people are using this as a way to give everyone else uh, a little window into their lives, wherever they live. I mean, there's there's so many good things that are happening on this app, but then of course it's equally balanced out by a lot of the bad stuff that is happening on there. So it's, it, I don't know, it's hit or miss. But yeah, um, yeah I've seen some, really, really funny and creative people on there, you know, stuff that really does remind me of some of those truly iconic vines, just again, pure unfiltered creativity. Yes. Uh, I hope these people go on to have a wonderful crea creative crea career somewhere doing something with this talent because they clearly have whatever it is to make this sort of thing. 
Um, I mean, you know, there's cooking, there's crafts. Uh, there's this one girl that I absolutely love. She's a farmer. She and her family, they're farmers in Cornwall. And her, her entire content is just getting her grandfather to say things because he has the most incredible thick Cornish accent. And it's just, <laughs> it's ear candy. I mean, it's so much fun. And, and he's literally just saying things. And, you know, people will ask him in the comments, like, you know, can you have him say something like, you're a wizard, Harry? Yeah, <laughs> like it, you know, it's the dumbest thing ever, but it's the greatest thing ever. And then yeah, there's there's a guy that I follow that does like step by step uh, cooking for uh, you know Indian Indian cooking, which is something that I really want to improve on my own kitchen. So I'm like, I'm gonna follow, I'm gonna just watch this guy's videos and hopefully I can learn something. That's cool. That's really cool. So like everything, literally yeah. everything, good and bad. Yeah, um, I'd imagine so you're also kind of caught between two worlds with uh, your archaeology background and your um, TV production background. Um, and I, I know that you're not at liberty to say like what you're working on um, currently, but well, I can right now because I am currently not working on anything I am, <laughs> uh, with, with all the air quotes in between projects gotcha. uh, as is um, uh, the tradition for this time of year, because a lot of, uh, a lot of productions will usually start earlier in the year and then finish sometime maybe at the end of the summer or early fall. Um, and usually this is kind of a weird, a little weird zone where you might be able to pick up some short-term work before everything really shuts down for the holidays, but maybe not. I don't know. There's, I've got a couple of irons in the fire in the moment, so I'm kind of just waiting to see what ends up actually happening who gets back to me first that kind of thing but uh yeah so i am currently unemployed and uh yeah i didn't realize that um tv production was so seasonal um that's it an is. odd similarity with archaeology yeah yeah it's it is it's um yeah it definitely has its sort of flow for the year so yeah usually the tv production year will start sometime in late January, early February, if everyone's really on it and it's like a, you know, air quotes, good year and things are, things are getting up and running quickly, but yeah. lately things tend to start February, March. Um, they'll go through the summer into the fall and then everything will wrap up uh, usually November, December. Most will try to push through Thanksgiving, which is kind of a weird lost week for everybody, but then wrap up and then kind of power down, finish up all their projects before Christmas. And then usually then everyone will sort of be let go and, you know, let loose into the world to go enjoy a holiday um, since we're all contract for the most part. And then it all starts again the next year and, you know, January, February, March, April, at some point around then, depending on what you're doing. And then sometimes if you're really lucky, you can get a unicorn job that actually goes through the holidays. So, so then you have, you know, a paycheck over the holidays, which is always a nice thing to do. Yeah. Oh, nice. But uh, yeah, it's weird. It's um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the freelance TV schedule. And yeah, it can, you know, jobs can be as long or as short as you want, depending on what you do, depending on what you like to do. 
And it's a, it's a weird world. It's a weird world, but there are a lot of similarities with like the CRM world, for example. So it's like, yeah, contract kind of seasonal, uh, projects can be long or short. It's a, a lot of chaotic energy on productions. And, uh, Mm -hmm. sometimes you get to travel to strange places. Huh? Are you, if you're not able to answer this question, that's okay. (laughs) Um, are, have you ever been in a situation with TV production and being an archaeologist where um, the production team has tried to push you towards the ancient aliens route? Let's see. Um, kind of. Uh, kind of. Because usually that is that is the unintentional angle that a lot of people come at topics from, mostly just because they don't know, or, you know, that's what they've seen on TV or maybe a casual Google, maybe they're fans of Graham Hancock, whatever. Um, but usually that's the initial angle of trajectory for a story, but then I can usually swoop in and be like, let's bring it back this way. And I will now show you how to tell this story without mentioning or alluding to any of that nonsense. And I've done that before. That is really cool. That's that's the dream right there. Is when you can yep. shape the narrative. Yeah, it it hasn't happened a ton, only because it's only been in recent years where I've kind of been in a high enough position, and I you know it's not even high; it's like medium. I'm like right in the middle of the like the the ladder of hierarchy and productions. Like I'm in the middle. Yeah. Um, that I've actually been able to do that. Um, because in the past, you know, I was kind of towards the bottom and I could make suggestions, but ultimately it wasn't, uh, my decision to make the decision had to come from someone higher up, but I can make suggestions and present ideas. Um, but yeah, I have actually, actually been able to, uh, fully shape and reshape the narrative. And, uh, I did have a job a couple, how many years ago, three years ago, three years ago, four years ago. What is time? Um, where I was able to essentially, I was given, I was given a task to create uh, a story, uh, a story outline. That's what we call it, because you are telling a story. <laughs> Every episode of television tells a story, um, and I was supposed to create two things, two stories, uh, these two specific topics, and it started from a place of Graham Hancock. And by the time I was finished with it, it was a place or place of 100% history and wow. like actual places that really exist, actual things to see for that specific topic. So I felt pretty good about that. That is awesome. Well, uh, speaking of telling stories, <laughs> I hear you have a ghost story. I do. I do. And it that is, is that season. segue. <laughs> Excellent segue. <laughs> Sometimes I spot them and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a segue. That's, yeah, that's the a segue. Good that was a good one. <laughs> uh yes, I do. I have I have a ghost story. And unlike literally everyone you will see on television doing the paranormal shows these days, because that's the hot trend, uh, yeah. I'm not trying to make a show about it because I don't have to. <laughs> like <laughs> It's as simple as that. And I I say this as someone who is a, uh, a committed fan and long-term viewer of ghost adventures. In fact, we were just watching an episode last night as is the tradition (laughs) in spooky season. Um, and I mean, I love that show so much because it's been like 20 plus seasons 
and the the narration and the opening title sequence has not gotten any better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly what you're watching every time you put it on. Exactly. And the fact that it's always like, you know, we we saw a ghost once and now we've set out to make an entire show to prove that ghosts are real. And it's like, well, I saw a ghost. I'm not trying to make a show about it. Yeah. I, I don't see what the big deal is. It was a weird thing. And I can tell that story. Should I tell that story now? I probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go for it. Okay. Okay. Ghost story. So um, setting the scene. This this was in <laughs> spring of 2007. I had just gotten accepted to the University of Bristol in beautiful Bristol, England for a one-year master's degree program. So um, it being in a totally different country, um, for my spring break that year, since that was my senior year of college, um, my mom and I took a trip to England to not only go see this place that I was going to be going to school and living for a year, um, but also, you know, have a fun little like spring break, go do some England things, the usual. Um, so got on a plane, flew over there. I'm one of those people that cannot, for the life of me, sleep on airplanes. Um, that is kind of the one thing that I just do not like at all about travel. It's like, especially when it's like all the stuff I want to go to is far away on other continents. So I'm going to have to get on a plane, but it is like 11 hours of torture for me. Yeah. Um, not the same because way. it's like, not because I'm anxious about air travel or whatever. It's like, I can't, I'm not comfortable. I yeah. cannot sleep. And so by the end of it, I'm just, just annihilated yeah. from being on an airplane for 10, 11 hours or whatever. So um, it was not a comfortable flight over there, but I guess I watched some movies. I don't even remember. Um, I think <laughs> I tried to take an Ambien or something and just didn't sleep. And I just sort yeah. of like did the thing where like you close your eyes and you just kind of lay there. And then it's like, okay, cool. It's been five minutes. <sighs> All right, <laughs> here we go. Um, but um, I knew like, I, I knew once we got there, it'd be okay because we were going to be staying at this nice little hotel. So I was like, okay, if I can just get through this, I'll be able to have a good night's sleep at a hotel in a real bed. Everything will be great. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure this was the first the first night there. Um, and since yeah, it was it was my mom and I. The hotel room had two beds, and we do we do our arrival stuff. We're both like horribly jet lagged, but it's like cool gonna have a wonderful night's sleep in this comfortable hotel bed it's gonna be great um and because i was jet lagged i woke up kind of around 3 a.m um just kind of did that thing where just sort of like bing everything's awake now um and i was like okay jet lag this sucks and i rolled over to see what time it was, and it was like, yeah, 3 3 a.m ish on the clock and i was just sort of looking around the room and i noticed that there was um a thing, a shape of a person oh. uh, sitting at the foot of my mom's bed. Oh no. Um, and um, I, I did the thing where I sort of looked for a second. I was like, okay, that's weird, you know, checking. And then I literally did the like the the cartoon thing where you're like winking, 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 rubbing your eyes, <laughs> <laughs> like rub my eyes to like wake everything up. And I like looked, eyes were fully open. I was awake, I was looking. And there was um, the, the shape of a person, a human, 
um, sitting on the end of my mom's bed. And it was, it was super weird um, for, you know, a number of reasons. Uh, I mean, one that's like, okay, there's a third person in this hotel room. What's going on? It's like, no, door's closed. That's not an actual person. Cause I can kind of see through it. Um, the, the texture of this person was like, uh, TV snow. So it was like a, a very, a very tight, oh. light, uh, TV static. Um, oh in, in the shape of a person. And the more I looked, I was able to sort of start discerning some details. It was, um, like it was a male, it was a man, um, in what looked like a, like a hooded sweatshirt, um, and was just sort of, you know, sitting there, just kind of sitting there, sitting on the edge of the bed. Like it was, you know, like this person was waiting for something. And then I actually saw like, um, uh, raised its left arm. And like looked down like it was checking the time um, and put the arm down and sort of like looked again. And then it stood up and just dissipated into the room. Like it was like, oh, it's time, time to go. Bye. <laughs> wow. And that was that. That was yeah. that was it. And it was um uh, it's like, you know, if any, if anybody's seen any of these, you know, ghost adventure type shows, they usually tell, or they'll, they'll usually talk about, you know, while they're scaring themselves in the dark or, you know, yelling, bro, did you see that? Um, yeah. uh, there wasn't any kind of weird energy. It wasn't like, you know, we were in somebody's space or this was like an angry ghost coming to cause problems. Like it was, it was literally as if, you know, some, somebody was just passing through, um, on the way to something just did did not even register that we were there it didn't matter it was like um the the best way i can describe it is if if you're familiar with photoshop um you know how there's the different layers that you will have in yeah. in your your photoshop image or you know pc you know, layer one layer two layer three background it was really as if there were two two layers layer one and layer two on this photoshop project and someone had just scooched the opacity of one layer down so you could see what was happening on the other layer. Whoa. And that was it. That was it. And that was the time I saw a ghost. Wow. Wow. It was pretty cool. I, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've, I, I've, I've had weirder things happen since then, especially in England, because there's a lot of very old stuff there and a lot of stuff that's had people passing through it for, you know, a while. Um, but yeah, I guess, uh, as far as ghost, ghost sighting goes, that's like one of those ones that people are always trying to see, which is like a full body apparition or whatever. Um, and it was a guy who just did not care, did not care either (laughs) way, had somewhere else to be apparently. And that was cool. Yeah. So were you initially just like terrified when you saw this? No, not at all. It was more just like, what? Huh. That's really cool. (laughs) Lots of just sort of like sitting there staring, just being like, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. This is the thing that's happening. I guess that answers that question. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. That, that is, that is a ghost in the hotel room. Okie dokie then. All right. Um, Let's see if I can go back to sleep now since we have a big day tomorrow. (laughs) That was it. Were you able to go back to sleep? Eventually, yeah. There's, you know, a little uh, because of the the jet lag 
and the fact that I had like several minutes of being like awake, awake in the middle yeah. of the night. Um, it took a minute for me to go back to sleep, but I did eventually go back to sleep. Um, and then, you know, the next day we went and like walked around the university. Wow. <laughs> and no sense of dread. That is, that's really cool. No. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> like I said, it was really like, you know, the, the, the Photoshop layers, it was like not, you know, no one was messing with anybody else's space or anything like that. Um, I mean, I, you know, Eng England is one of those places where, you know, if you, if you accidentally bump into something that is like not chill, you will know, <laughs> you will know pretty much right away. It's like, Oh yeah. The vibes have changed. The air feels weird. I'm gonna go, I'm, I'm just gonna go back out here and let whatever's happening in here do its thing. I'm gonna go be outside. Yeah. But oh, uh, yeah, that, and you know, unfortunately I did not film it. I didn't have, you know, some weird like beepy machine <laughs> to register the fact. I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, saw it with my just eyes. Like my pointing my two some eyeballs. generic piece of equipment at it, like yeah. Oh, it's make, beeping more. Okay, make the thing beep. Like, <laughs> like I said, we were literally watching Ghost Adventures last night, and they had a beepy device, and they were waving it around by a candle, and it beeped. And it's like, well, you're waving it by a candle. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then yeah, like I said, you know, there's there's been other. Uh, other other things since then, but you know, none as exciting as a. Uh, a random ghost dude in uh, my hotel room. Yeah. I So like I've had night terrors before where I've seen like mm. basically the, the, the sleep paralysis demon at the foot of the yeah. bed kind of thing. Um, yeah. I've, and that, I've, I've only that's heard terrifying. stories. Yeah. <laughs> and so as, as you were telling me about this, you know, seeing a, a figure at the foot of the bed, I was just like, uh, -uh no, oh, no, no, that's the no, sleep no, paralysis no. demon. I don't want to hear about Coming the sleep paralysis demon. Yeah. Coming to get you. It's like, no, it was like a random British <laughs> dude. Um, which again, like having many years now to think about this, since this was like over 10 years ago, um, I appreciate that it was essentially like a nineties or early two thousands ghost. Um, and not like the ghost of the Victorian <laughs> child or something like that. It's like, we don't get enough of these like nineties and two thousands ghosts, but you know, we always get like, you know, the civil war widow <laughs> or the, like the child who died of typhoid or something like that. And, yeah. you know, haunting the house and where are all the two thousands ghosts at? Yeah. Where, where, where are y'all at? This guy died on his way to a Spice Girls show or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, or any other sort of like very average British activities. Totally <laughs> normal. Nothing creepy. Nothing spooky. It's just like, no, he's like waiting for the bus or something like that. Yeah. But, so uh, you've, yeah. You've also seen um, a spooky shrine in yes. Albania, right? Yes, yes. Uh, so I, I'm actually gl glad I got the, uh, the the go ahead from the team to tell this one um, because oh, nice. uh, it's a fun one. It's it, it, it's a fun mm -hmm. it's a fun and interesting one, and it's just one of those things that makes our our project site and area that much more fun. We love it even more because <laughs> of this. Um, and uh, yeah, so where we are in Albania, uh, we're up in the mountains, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Um, this tiny little village called Nabitza. And it's, you know, if, if you're just going to pass through the village, like it's cute, it's quaint, it's very rustic. Um, everybody is doing 
doing their thing up there. There's a lot of like arts and crafts. Most of the people there are shepherds in some capacity. Um, you know, rural mountain life, totally normal. Um, but for whatever reason, this particular spot in Albania has been a major thoroughfare for humans and human activity for like thousands of years. Everybody passed through here because it was one of the main routes from the coast uh, inland mm-hmm. and, you know, up and down the length of Albania and stuff like that. So back in the back in the BC day, people would be coming from the coast and, you know, Mediterranean, Adriatic sailing and business and stuff like that. And then you would come inland through this mountain area to get to what is now Macedonia, get to Northern Greece, all of that stuff. And then, you know, vice versa. So people have been coming through here for a very, very long time. And this particular part of Albania used to be uh, Epirus, again, back in the BC day. And uh, Epirus had really strong uh, political and cultural connections to uh, stuff happening in Northern Greece and specifically the shrine of uh, and the oracle of Zeus at Dodona, which is in Northern Greece. Um, so there's a lot of cultural stuff happening. There's a lot of religious stuff happening. Um, it's super cool. It makes my archaeology heart very happy. Um, this is fully my jam. And what they have just outside the village is an oak grove, a grove of oak trees. So anybody who is a classicist who is listening, this is exactly what you think it is. Oh my God, it's the best. It is a, a grove of sacred oak trees. And in it, there is a little shrine that has been essentially a shrine to Zeus this entire time. And uh, the the local folks still use this space um, for their own things. Um, they do have... Uh, they do have their own activities that they do there. Um, uh, it's not quite, you know, the the same OG oracle tradition like it was back in the day, but like they do actually do uh, community rituals, um, or I guess rituals is the wrong word. They, they do have community events uh, in this space and it's super cool and we love it. And um, they are they are a bit sensitive about, about it just because it is something that is, special to this uh, specific village and the people and they want they don't want to be seen as you know uh, weird or superstitious or anything like that which it totally isn't um, and yeah like I said we just we love it to pieces we love that this exists that it still exists that it's still in active use and um, yeah it's just a cool little shrine space um, it's it's open air so you know there's if you want to go and like put some candles out there you totally can it's got a nice little vibe to it um and then when the trees are all leafed out you get the full like sacred grove of oak trees the wind going through the oak leaves maybe if you knew what you were listening for you could hear a fun message from zeus i don't know i haven't tried it yet (laughs) um but it's super cool it's super super cool and so when we took a walk up there in 2017, no, no, 2017. Oh my God, I can't math. 2019, <laughs> totally different year. Um, 2019, uh, we took a, took a walk up there to go do a little bit of surveying and um, to take some photos of some of the more notable parts of this little shrine area for research purposes, like we do, because we've surveyed the whole area at this point. Um, and while we were up there, you know, just looking around, doing our thing, measuring our things, 
photographing our things. Um, I thought I saw something out of the corner of my eye while we were up there, which was kind of cool. And I was just like, what the, you know, something, something small. There were no animals. There were no animals in this area. Um, so that was kind of interesting. I was like, huh, okay, noted. I mean, I had come into this space essentially prepared to maybe like, I don't know, bump into something, maybe feel feel some, you know, shrine vibes or whatever, just because like it is a sacred space. It's been a sacred space for a very long time and uh, it's an active sacred space. Um, so I was like, okay, all right, noted. Saw, saw a little something, didn't. <laughs> Didn't really get a good look at it, but it's like, you know, someone was sort of like taking a peek, seeing what was, you know, what these wacky people were doing. Um, and then I think it was William afterwards who said that he heard uh, someone say his name. But like, you know, we we weren't talking. <laughs> we weren't talking to each other. We were doing, you know, doing whatever it was we were doing. He was like, what the hell? Okay. And that's, uh, that's our spooky shrine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's weird. That's really weird. Uh, so yeah, it's it's cool. I said I I love it to pieces just because it's I don't yeah it's it it's one of those properly old school spaces you know the the sort of thing where you can absolutely see uh, people coming there again back in the BC days um, you know if they wanted to either get a message from or maybe get a message to Zeus or something like that, this would be the place to do it again, because of the very strong ties between this area and uh, the major uh, religious center at Dodona. So it's like it all ties together and it's like, Oh, it's super cool. This stuff is still around. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm not familiar with uh, like classical archeology span as, as much um, as you were introducing this, sacred oak grove is this kind of a common feature throughout this region um sort of um so there were a couple different ways you could do uh your oracle thing if you were trying to do a whole oracle situation um and one of the ways uh that you could interpret uh or perhaps come upon um, a message from Zeus, sometimes Apollo, but usually Zeus. Um, what, one of the ways to do it was to listen to the wind passing through oak leaves at a sacred grove of oaks. And so the, the wind through the leaves would be the message. That would be the way in which the message from Zeus would be delivered. Um, most people are familiar with the Oracle at Delphi, uh, which is an Oracle of Apollo. Um, and that that was another another type of oracle situation and another way to receive messages from the gods and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, in the classical world, the oracles at Dodona and Delphi were the two most important places in the world. Wow, that's awesome. It's super cool. It's so cool. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have... Um... I'm sure COVID has put uh, quite a damper on the field research there, um, but do you have plans to go back um, relatively soon? Yeah, we've got uh, tentative plans for a spring 2022 season situation of some kind. I guess that it's all heavily contingent upon, you know, what, what the world is like 
um, in, you know, around Easter time uh, next year, um, what the travel situation is like, how all of our respective countries are doing. Um, you know, things are, things are doing pretty okay, I'd say, in North America. Um, and the rest of my team is in the UK, and so they're having a bit of a harder time over there. And um, yeah, it will all just sort of be dependent on kind of how everything is. But at this point, I am fully going stir crazy now having not <laughs> had any kind of uh, dig anything uh, for two years. Um, yeah. So I'm, I've got <clears throat> fingers and toes crossed for a, a spring 2022 uh, field season because we have a lot of big plans. Um, we've surveyed the whole mountain area around this village and we have like I'd say two or three places that we're really, really interested in um, doing doing some detailed work and hopefully some excavating. So hopefully the travel and bureaucratic stars <laughs> will align and we can uh, do a little bit of digging next spring. And yeah, like nice. the fingers and toes crossed. <laughs> nice. What are some of the big uh, research questions that uh, you all have been working with? Um, there's a lot because this whole, this whole area, it, it, it is the, the definition of multi-period. We've got everything from, uh, classical Greek and Roman and Epirote things. So fully in the BC days up to, you know, world war one and world war two, modern conflict archeology span and literally everything in between. Um, wow. Come to Albania. There's something for everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there really is. It's it's awesome. I mean, they've got all these awesome uh, classical sites on the coast. There's modern conflict stuff on the in the interior. Something for everybody. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah. It. There, there, there's a lot of questions. Um, I think the biggest one is uh, what the heck were people doing up here? Literally all the time. Um, there's a lot of the classical stuff that I'm super interested in. And um, yeah, we're mostly just trying to figure out like what the heck was happening up here? What was going on in this crazy part of the mountains? Um, because we, we've found a lot of really intriguing clues. Um, and we would like to perhaps find more clues so that we can actually put a puzzle together and figure out maybe at least one event that was happening here. Cause we know, yeah, like I said, we know people were passing through this mountain area all the time, you know, either for trade routes or maybe some armies would be coming through depending on where they were going. Um, we know there were a lot of, uh, I mean, maybe not full scale battles up in the mountains, but uh, the village and the mountain areas were used uh, defensively during, you know, Ottoman, World War One, World War Two engagements and stuff like that. I mean, we found all their bullet casings, so somebody was doing something up there. Um, yeah, just figuring out what the heck was going on up here. And for the, the classical stuff, we want to try to get Albania and uh, Illyrian and Epirote archaeology um, included in the classical archaeology conversation because 
this is a weird little corner of the world that we don't know a ton about. We have a lot of mentions of Epirote and Illyrian and maybe some Molossian people and their kingdoms and their things, but we mostly know about them from other sources. So we know about them from Greek sources or Roman sources because they were dealing with these people. We don't have a ton of uh, scholarship from the people themselves. So we would like to uh, change that and hopefully add that to the conversation. I think that'll be super cool. Yeah, that is awesome. Because Albania is not a place that I would immediately think of when I think of classics. Like I said, I'm not very familiar with classical archaeology. Um, I would assume there's also uh, some pretty interesting like Paleolithic archaeology in that region as well. I would think so too. Uh, that's one of those areas where I don't know a ton about, but um, you know, like I said, humans have been there for a very long time. So there's yeah. going to be uh, a little bit of everything from everybody. I mean, uh, yeah, it's so funny. Like from the, the classical end of things, I, I had known about and then completely forgotten about and then was reminded of uh, the city of Batrent. That's in Albania. Um, and, you know, of, I guess, Aeneid and uh, that sort of fame. And maybe it was Aeneid, I forget. Um, eh, Saturday Brain. It's one of the classics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of those important classical works. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that was a hugely important city and it's just chilling in southernmost Albania being a UNESCO World Heritage Site, just kind of hanging out. Um, and there's a bunch of other cool sites up the coast. I mean, it, yeah, like I said, it's, it's an absolutely fascinating part of the world and they are, uh, they're very, very enthusiastic about getting Albania involved in basically just any conversations, any conversations yeah. at all. Like they, they really want to get their tourism sector up and running because it's gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous there. Um, and I think they, they have seen the, they have seen what people have been able to do for Croatia and they're like, we can do that too. We can, yeah. we can do all of that. Um, so they're it, it's it's early days for a lot of a lot of places, but they have big plans and they're really working hard to get a lot of the infrastructure up and running just because they've had a pretty hard time for the last several decades. So they've had a lot to recover from, but now they're really working hard to yeah, just get infrastructure up and running. And you know, the biggest the biggest thing that has happened for us is that uh, the road up into the mountains has finally been completed. So anybody can easily come up into the mountains for uh, a day trip uh, or even a weekend. And that's the whole thing. It's like you come up into the mountains from the coast or from one of the cities maybe, and you get that like rustic mountain experience. You get, you know, incredibly hospitable people welcoming you into their homes, giving you more food than you know what to do with. You get that full rustic mountain vibe, uh, beautiful weather, uh, occasional Wi-Fi. They're, they're working on that. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely stunning up there. And they, they want to share that. They want to share that with everybody. 
That's awesome. It's funny that you mentioned uh, that Albania is really pushing on growing their tourism. Um, I've been getting more and more into gravel cycling lately, and Albania keeps popping up as um, kind of one of the hot new gravel cycling destinations, like riding gravel yeah. roads up into the mountains, seeing yeah. these you know stunning landscapes and these charming little towns full of you know sheep herders and stuff like that. Yes, that that is a real thing that really exists. I have seen it with my own eyeballs. Um, <laughs> yeah, their their big thing in the mountains is they're really pushing for um, hiking and backpacking yeah. because a lot of the yeah, just a lot of the mountain villages and towns really do have spectacular, almost untouched mountain situations. Um, the Navitza has this really incredible canyon that it is literally on the edge of. And so um, one of the fun things for people to do is to do uh, a hike down into the canyon. Um, and, you know, it's a totally easy thing to do. You can absolutely do it in, you know, like 30 minutes. Um, and then when you get down there, there's a whole waterfall. There's this beautiful, pristine blue river. And, you know, depending on the time of year, you can either go like jump in, jump in the river, jump in one of the little pools down there. Um, I mean, tons of nature everywhere. It's also uh, a, what was it? I don't know if it's a nesting site. Maybe it's a nesting site. Their, their other big like nature claim to fame up there is that they have one of the few spots where Egyptian vultures live. And so Egyptian vultures are endangered. And so they're always on the lookout for the vultures. And when we were last there, we saw two, maybe it was the same bird. I'm not sure. Wow. But um, so yeah, they've got, they've got so much going on up there and yeah, beautiful, beautiful walks and hikes everywhere. Um, they're, they're working on getting, uh, signage and more defined trails set up so people can walk, uh, a lot of the trails more easily and or walk or bike, I would think. Um, but yeah, there's, yeah, if you're, if you're feeling very adventurous, uh, you can absolutely go to Albania now. It's, it might be a little too rustic for some people, depending on what your comfort level is, yeah. but it's, it is a stunningly beautiful country. Everyone there is so nice and so friendly. And, you know, we've every, every season we, we come out of there with bags of mountain tea because that's where, that's a place where you can get it. That's their whole thing. They have mountain tea up there. Um, we all have like five new grandmas. It's, you know, it's a good time. <laughs> I, did, I wasn't aware of the mountain tea, but that's in, that's in like every uh, gravel cycling kind of promo or photo shoot that I've seen is like stopping into one of these little towns and having tea with some, you know, elder in the town. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, they, they have a, they have a small cafe culture. Um, so yeah, you hang out at the little cafe and, you know, have coffee, um, but uh, mountain tea uh, is is their their big thing up there, and it's kind of it's kind of on the same wavelength as like yerba mate, um, oh, okay. But with uh, a little bit less caffeine, so it's got it's got some caffeine. So if you need just sort of like a gentle afternoon thing, that's absolutely the thing to do. Um, and yeah, it tastes, it it tastes super good, and it's one of those plants that only grows at a certain altitude. Yeah. So they happen to be uh, just below that altitude. So it's easy to go, uh, you know, take a, a hike or a walk or drive up into the mountains and go gather some. And you always see people walking with big handfuls of uh, the mountain tea plants and oregano. 
because there's wild oregano everywhere. So people will literally just grab a bunch of it on the side of the road and take it home. <laughs> and you got your oregano for dinner. Nice. All set. That's really cool. When I worked in Portugal, uh, there was um, rosemary and lavender, like everywhere. Yes. And so I remember would, that from Spain when I went to Spain. Yeah. So we would come down the mountain, you know, we were, we were excavating in a cave up, up in the mountains. And so on our hike out of the cave down the mountain, all of our field gear would smell like rosemary. By the time we got back to the van, we were like, this is, this is nice. This is fine. Really great. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> we all definitely picked a bunch of lavender and I think there were, I think there was oregano there definitely lavender um yeah. and made little bundles and put it you know hung it up in our tents because of course our tents smelled like you know field socks and you know <laughs> unwashed archaeologists yeah but it's cool so yeah everybody come to albania it's a great place yeah totally well so um we've got you on twitter and instagram at annalise yes. bear yes. and uh those those accounts will be linked in the notes below. And then on, um, TikTok, remind me again, is it Annalise, the archeologist? Yes, it is Annalise, the archeologist. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I am. I spend a little bit too much time on the internet these days because there's nowhere to go. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if you're an archeologist, there's nowhere to go right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, yeah internet social media that's uh that's kind of what i do right now well you're really good at it i mean that's that's the thing is like uh, your your kind of communication style and the things that you share like um it's informative without coming off as kind of like preachy or like, this is a bad thing. We have to do this. It's just like, it's fun. And here's like a cool thing that you should know about. Uh, Cause it's just cool and fun um, and really informative. And so like, I always, I always dig whatever you're, you're putting out on. All That's of awesome. The Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I just try to approach the whole thing as if I'm talking to a friend or friends and yeah. that's how I talk. Um, I'm not an academic, so I'm not going to talk at you, uh, as if I were a professor or anything like that. Like I, I, and you know, that is one of the skills that I have that works for TV stuff too, which is that I can absolutely talk forever about something that I'm super excited about. And I just talk to people as if they are also people and try to explain things in ways that a non-specialist person would understand so that they can be as excited about the thing as I am. Nice. Well, it works. I mean, I I get excited about, uh, you know, the subjects that you, uh, I'm sure you put a lot of time and energy into researching these subjects because it's like, it's very detailed. Sometimes, yeah. Most of the time it's, it, it, it depends on the day. (laughs) <laughs> I can either make something in like three minutes if it's just something that I already know, um, since I have a lot of weird stuff rattling around in my brain, um, or sometimes it takes about an hour if I'm actually trying to research something and make sure that I get yeah. the dates right and find the best photo for the thing. Nice. Well, uh, <laughs> I I think we'll call that an episode, but uh, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining um, yeah, I'm going to get this absolutely. out as fast as I can, hopefully, uh, by tomorrow so that people can enjoy, uh, a ghost story on Halloween. Ooh, spooky, spooky, yeah. topical material. Yes. 
And yeah, uh, and I have a, a TikTok plan for tomorrow as well. So spooky awesome. content for everyone. Perfect. Awesome. Well, this is so much fun. Yeah, likewise.